You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. You can tell instantly we are not in the studio because we are traveling for yet another Cars of the Past adventure. We're very excited. We have stories to tell from the road. This is going to be a little <laughs> yeah. bit of a short podcast because we had a really long day today. We did a little, we did over 400 miles while shooting, which for us is a lot for production. Yeah, we've had a long day, but we're thrilled to join you guys. Thanks for jumping on and listening to the podcast. We really appreciate you being with us. The GR Supra Manual video releases tomorrow. That is mm-hmm. Wednesday, September 7th. 2022 on our test drive youtube channel and if you haven't seen it already todd took the gr corolla around umc for a pov test drive a couple laps on track <laughs> but there is a larger piece coming with the gr corolla we're, we're thrilled There's to announce two things coming we have a gr corolla piece that will drop the same day at the embargo drops which is not tomorrow but next wednesday the 14th that piece will drop there that was done in and around the same exact launch everybody else did on the track and that kind of stuff but that does not give away the larger comparison piece that we shot mm-hmm. that we're very proud of that yeah. because of editorial time is still a couple of weeks away but we're going to work on that one as fast as we can so we'll have a piece for the embargo next week and then we'll have another piece yeah there's lots of stuff going on i have to to laugh at myself about the gr corolla lap okay because the, the yeah, guys have to understand that the entire event was being done to and I, I, there's not another way to put this to defend against poor driving journalists Okay. It's a great way of putting it. And yeah. some journalists can drive fine. Some journalists, you would be surprised at how badly they drive. Now you're giving them a free car on a racetrack, <laughs> and they don't drive well. There's plenty of, and, and I am not, please don't, don't misunderstand me, I am not saying that Paul and I are some heroes behind the wheel, but we are <laughs> certainly in the 60 to 70 percentile compared to car journalists, because there are plenty that are shockingly bad. Sure, and it's so, our home track. Yes, so they always... Any event tries to do things to to protect against what on earth are you doing there? And one of the ones going on on this trip was, or this launch was, you were only able to do a lap at a time. So it was really hard to get out there and like really track the car because you would go out. You wouldn't even get the front straight. You'd go out at one end of the front straight, come in. It was like 80% of the lap Most of the lap. Yeah, it was like 80% of the lap. no front straight. Exactly. So I went out to do the GR Corolla uh, POV. And we don't always do POVs. So they're weird anyway because... I am. This is the thing. Yeah. The other side. I've discovered. I am so conditioned to talking when a camera's running. It takes an incredible <laughs> amount of conversation for me to know a camera's running and for me to be silent. That is kind of funny. It's hard. I love that. I desperately want to say something <laughs> about the car's doing. So I did. You it. have trouble driving the car because you couldn't talk. Yes. This is where I'm headed. Because I, I there was what That's chance. Great. Chance, who knows the track very well, said. You took an interesting line on the attitudes, which is the nicest possible way for him to say, boy, did you screw up that corner, because he's right. There's one corner on the back called the attitudes, and you come up this hill, and you break left, and there's this S-curve down the hill, and it's Mm -hmm. really cool and very dynamic, and you hit the curbs, and it's very, very fun. But on my first lap in the GR Corolla on the POV, I was actually thinking, as I was going down the straight toward the attitudes, I was thinking about... Okay, what's my head placement, and am I doing okay for camera? What's the camera getting right now? And then I completely blew the corner entry. I realized two car lengths too late. I was like, I haven't turned in yet. So there's this you were weird, filming. It's there's this fine. weird. No, but, but I was just laughing at myself because I was like, 
that my head's not where it needs to be, which is turn in right. So I got a second lap, which is a little better. That's but funny. Please watch that POV because it, it's very fun. We have so much stuff coming again. Watch the super piece that's going to be tomorrow, and uh, oh, the adventures we're already having. Well, this podcast is going to be a little bit shorter than you're used to, just because we have so much stuff to do, footage to dump, and mm-hmm, a day mm-hmm. to prep for for tomorrow. Yes. But we've gotten great questions. Thank you guys for asking us questions on social media. But before we jump in, there is a story we already encountered on today's drive, <laughs> which floored both Todd and I. Yes. I have, to, I have to give you a little bit of background in case you don't know, because, of course, we're driving my red 300ZX twin turbo and Paul's uh, maroon with awesome bronze wheels, uh, 83928. So the it's more two of a of us, burgundy okay. than maroon. Okay. I would go fine. Burgundy Slummy, ruby, Excellent. ruby red. Bravo. So anyway, so we're driving <laughs> those two cars. Those two cars, bumper to bumper, are weird to begin with. You just don't see either one of them individually. Right, right. And, and one of you actually gave us a message today on our East Coast trip that you saw us driving today. And we're like, wait a minute, cool. did you guys just go by? And yes, we did. So that was funny. We were in a tiny town in Wyoming stopping for lunch, not thinking about anything, but we must get lunch. We must step out of lunch. We must get in cars. We must keep driving. And as we come back out, there's, a, there's an older guy walking around our cars. And he <laughs> seems very intrigued in Paul's 928. And I'm over doing something with cameras and not really thinking about it. And then he's walking around my 300ZX Well, he, he noted the 928 and looked at it as he kept walking, headed towards your car. Yes. So as I walk up to Pretty the funny. 300ZX, he says, is this your car? Now, I have to stop there and, and, and catch you up on one thing. The 300ZX, of course, is beloved by many people, and they're starting to go up in value. But there was a Nissan-sponsored tuner relationship for the 300ZX that was a racer named Steve Millen. And he created a bunch of parts and a whole bunch of tuning under his tuning brand called Stillen, Steve Millen. Stillen was the brand. All the way to the point that for the last year, 18 months of the car, they made a Steve Millen Z, which only came in the red and was like the the best of all of the parts put on that car. Mm-hmm. Yes. Limited edition. If you ever see one of those on Bring a Trailer, they're going for twice as much as anything else of that era. Okay. So Stillen is the is that is the name, okay? It's a big name, and he was a racer. Yes. for years and years. His sons Class won the business. Champion, IMSA, one Daytona, one yes. Sebring, incredible driver. His son Reese Millen is now one of the prime, primary primary uh, Hollywood stunt drivers. Yeah. I mean, Reese is known for Pikes Peak, hill yes. climb. Yes, yeah. So this is a racing family. So Steve Millen is is the patriarch, right? So anyway, so the only reason I bring that up is because there's only one still in the thing on my car, and that's the exhaust, which I actually really like. It sounds good, but it's not droney. I really what? like it. It's, I have a still in exhaust on my car. It's a bit flashy, but it's very cool. So I walk up to my car, start unlocking it, and this older guy says, uh, is this your car? And I said, yeah, it is. And he said, it looks really clean, except that's not a stock exhaust, is it? I said, no, 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 that's a still in exhaust. <laughs> At which point he said, as deadpan as anyone possibly could, yes, I'm Steve Millen. At which point I recognize the New Zealand accent, because that's where he's from. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I said, wait, 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 you're Steve Millen? He said, yeah, I retired. I live near here. <laughs> At which point we stood there for 15 or 20 minutes with Steve Millen talking about my Z. I, I am not normally this geeky. <laughs> you, you flipped out, and Todd doesn't normally flip out. And I thought, why are you talking to him so animated? I've got to come over and see what's yeah. going on. And then, of course, Todd's like... You know, Steve Millen, this, this is Steve Millen. <laughs> Steve, Paul, 
Paul, Steve. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry? Well, and I'm not normally this geeky, but I was also (laughs) really proud that Steve Millen thought my Z was very attractive. He was like, this looks great. I was like, well, I will take that as a serious compliment from you, sir. So we stood around and talked with him. It was awesome to meet him. But of all, look... If I were to make a, a crazy list of people I thought I'd bump into today, I wouldn't have even gotten to that part of the list. It was such a small world we're moment. Pretty much in the middle of nowhere, too. Yes. He saw your car, pulled over in his F-150, yes. and came up to look at the cars. But it was actually pretty interesting because he said they, as a company, were looking and testing, looking at and testing the 928 and... You know, looking at doing parts and stuff mm-hmm. for it, and then the Z came out, and they gravitated towards that. But he had noted the similarities, and I just can't believe how our organic purchases of these cars early on, mm-hmm. we both liked the cars, we gravitated toward you know one mm-hmm. or the other, and yeah, they have a lot of similarities in architecture, in driving feel, and yeah, and here well, we are yeah. years later driving these cars. I still. It's fully organic. It was not planned. Totally. And then we have these cars again, and here we are driving them, and it's amazing. It's really cool. And then yeah. Steve Millen pulls over, <laughs> walks up to, to say hi. But but that is that I did find that interesting because you have said to me a couple of times how much you felt like the 928 was on some level influential and connected to the feel of the 300ZX. And I thought that was very interesting that you've observed that before. And then, so it was funny to have Steve Millen, of all people, walk up to talk to us about our cars. And unprompted, he said almost that exact same thing. Yeah. And he has far more race pedigree than you and I will ever have combined and then stacked on top of Chance and a bunch of other people. Exactly. So that was pretty interesting. But honestly, it was the strangest, (laughs) strangest story. But it happened. Photos. Yes. There will be photo proof. (laughs) It was he, t- he took a business cool. card of ours. He was like, I want to check out your show. And I was like, well, awesome. okay, bring so, it. That's fun. Steve, great to meet you. Thanks for saying something. And if you do see us, yeah, we love saying hi and meeting people like that. It's, yeah. I mean, anybody. You don't have to be Steve Miller. You're right. Not people like anybody that. Anybody that says, hey, it's you guys. Right. We're happy to, to stop for a minute for sure. It is car wash season. Always wash your car in a cool, shady spot. And always use the Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer or the Boss Foam Cannon from Griot's Garage. You can create a high-foam blizzard party right in your driveway with little to no work and avoid the wash-induced scratches. It's the safest way to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what the foam is all about. And don't forget, Griot's also has full ceramic family of products, including Speed Shine, Wash and Coat, and a 3-in-1 Wax. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order just for our audience. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. But we're going to jump over to our Topic Tuesday, which is a bit of a debate, kind of a Topic Tuesday from JM in Chicago asking about the Venn diagram of cars versus relationships. (laughs) Jay wanted to ask if this question might be good for a topic of discussion. Yes, it is. That question is, what point in a relationship is a person obliged to consider changing cars for the needs of the relationship? Mm. He's got a 1999 Acura CL 3.0 that he's owned for approximately 15 years. 165,000 miles. It replaced a 99 Monte Carlo when he got the CL. He's a car enthusiast by interest. However, he's never owned any enthusiast cars and prefers to keep them as long as possible. 
He's had a motorcycle, and that's where he got, gets his kicks, but he just sold that. And he loves cars, and he's never made the financial choices to support different enthusiast experiences. Okay. So he finds himself in this situation. He's been in a serious relationship for about 10 months with a lady. She and he are both in their early 40s. She's got an 8-year-old daughter. And Jay sees this as long-term and sustainable and something he'd like to continue. So she's now listening and she's being very encouraged to hear that. <laughs> By the way, Jay, if she ever says, well, where are we? Where do you see this going? You can play back this Just podcast. Play the podcast. Where, where we're reading the fact that you see this is going somewhere. <laughs> anyway. Well, Jay says he's never been married, but he's had multiple serious relationships, none with kids. And he's grown rather accustomed to living his own life out of preference and necessity. Mm-hmm. His car, while, while arguably more reliable and better constructed than modern cars, is lacking many safety features of modern cars. While this never bothered Jay as a solo driver, because he planned on driving it until it dies or the transmission goes, (laughs) he says he's typically the one driving all of them around. His girlfriend doesn't have a car, and they have separate apartments in Chicago. He's wondering, at what point should he consider it a responsibility to look into a car with newer safety features? He says, as a side note, he keeps seeing his ABS warning light come on, so something's going on there. (laughs) But he typically loathes the nanny features and complexity in cars, and he knows these things exist for a reason, and he can create a much safer environment for all of them, provided he continues to do his job and be a safe driver. Indeed, he says, given the fastback shape of the CL, there will be a point where her daughter's head will be right by the glass of the rear window, since there are no real headrests in the CL. He's noticed that his driving style, while typically spirited in nature, changes when he's driving his girlfriend and her daughter around. So he says this is not only a car question, but a larger relationship question. Who knows what the future holds for them, but assuming things continue to work out, when does considering the needs and safety of his partner and her child become something for him to incorporate into his future car purchasing decision-making? Wow. He doesn't have tons of cash sitting around. I don't know anybody who does. Then those of us that do, Personally, just, we just spin it on cars. I, I read about them in the news. You've heard that such people know exist. Them. Crazy people like that exist. We just got <laughs> <Right>. cash. <laughs> yeah, they buy supercars because it's like you and I buy a t-shirt. It's like, sure, I could get Apparently one of those. they do. Yeah. He's got other obligations, of course, to put his money towards, but he could probably work something out soon, but this would spread him thin financially. Mm-hmm. So how does he draw the Venn diagram? How does he find this Venn diagram for the sweet spot for all of this? Wow, Jay, thank you for listening to us while you're commuting. Really appreciate it. This is great stuff. This, this is definitely a Topic Tuesday, and you're right, more of a relationship question. And that CL that you got, a 99 Acura CL. I remember when that came out, and fun story for you, that particular car was designed, and then the show car was designed after the production car was done because really? they needed people to be excited about the new CL coming out. Okay, all right, all right. So, Get the production car all done, and it shortened the lead time from when the show car was revealed sure. to here's one available you can buy at the dealership. Yeah, Everybody yeah, thought, yeah. well, the lead time is great. Why don't you do this more often? Well, it's because they were swapped. <laughs> we did it backwards. Everybody yeah. thinks that concept cars are done first. Usually they are because it sets the tone of the style mm-hmm. for what they think customers are interested in, and company executives are looking for customer feedback. Here's our cool thing. We think mm-hmm. it's cool. Hopefully you do too. If you like it good you know, enough, yeah. we'll put it into production. They liked it, and they put it into production, <laughs> and it was ready to go, and then they made the show car. Fortunately, it worked. That's not always the case. 
But that CL comes from a time when human beings were still in need of safety features, and we were still True. built the same way, and we all pretty much remember 1999, right? Unless you were born in the year 2000, but still. <laughs> we do have those listeners. We do have born, listeners. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But still, people have been the same physique and form, human form, True. needing safety features mm-hmm. for a long time, predating 1999. I am trying to think the last time I've even seen one of these CLs. They, uh, you're right. They're not. I, you don't I, see them frequently. Seriously, I was looking it up and just going, "Which one was that?" And I looked at. It, I was like, "That's that." Oh my gosh! I don't. I honestly don't know the last CL. time I've seen one. Yeah. Not the TL, the CL, which is a massively raked back glass two door. It was a change for mm-hmm. Acura. It was mm-hmm. a different kind of style. It had that fine line, uh, center line, all the way down the car. Very interesting design. Very edgy for them at the time. I mean, the 99 would mean, and I'd have to look up all the details know exactly what this car has, but in the era, that means you'd have front airbag, potentially a front passenger airbag. Most likely you would by 99. Most likely, you'd think. You wouldn't have big A-pillar airbags, at least unlikely. Right. But the thing he's thinking about, about the 8-year-old daughter of his girlfriend, is there wouldn't be any major airbags in the back. And he's also saying that the back seats do not have headrests, which is very interesting. Think about the fact that everything has a headrest now. Headrest, you find the little, these don't actually fit people, third row seats in the back of an SUV, Mm -hmm. and it has some sort of weird headrest that must pop up that tries to accommodate people our size, you and me. We can't fit in the the seats, but the headrest is trying to get up (laughs) by my ears. So we're way before that. So so there's definitely... This is not a car I would define as unsafe, to your point, Paul. There were plenty of safety features in sure. this car. But, of course, things have also moved on a lot, too. I like that your driving style changes. And when you have people in the car, I think most of us change our driving styles, mainly because we don't want to get yelled at. But otherwise, <laughs> because you want to make it a comfortable experience for your passengers. You don't wait until the last second, the, the super late breaker to the red light, because... What's the point? If you're by yourself, fine. But you don't want to like throw your passengers around. That just gets uncomfortable. You sure, want to drive yeah. smoothly. And I, I do like that you're doing that. And Jay, I love that you're taking into consideration your growing family's needs, a mm-hmm. potential growing family here, mm-hmm. which I, I love. And I think the answer, it, it's not so cut and dried where it's yes, you know, we just got to get something as safe as we can possibly afford and yeah, yeah. find what's mm-hmm. available and just get that car because enthusiast driving still is a part of your life. Yes. But you do have an opportunity to introduce fun and enthusiast driving to your girlfriend and mm-hmm. her daughter because mm-hmm. she's looking at what you're doing. She's looking up to you. Yeah. yeah. Every move you make, my mm-hmm. friend, she is observing and watching and. You're looking out for her and, you know, what's your outlook on life and, you know, in this case, on driving. And you have the opportunity to introduce both to her. It's not just mm-hmm. safety at all costs. It must be boring. Sure. Don't go one mile an hour over the speed limit. How dare you? If you're one mile an hour, you're, you're a lawbreaker. <laughs> really? So there's a lot to this question yeah, because yeah. we want you to have something that is both enthusiast and fun, but... You're right. Having an older car, unless it's a classic and you're, you know, it's mm-hmm, it's your mm-hmm. baby, your thing, people tend to treat them less nicely. 
just kind of sure. beat on it. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, it kind of becomes the junker. Where to you, it's not, mm-hmm. but people just they don't respect them as much. It's the yeah, old yeah. car. It's not worth very much. It's an old thing, and you know it just gets us around. But if you involve your new family in the next car purchasing decision, mm. there could be something all of you can agree on. And who knows? Your girlfriend might discover driving. I, I'm sure she drives. She mm-hmm. maybe just does, doesn't own a car, but maybe she might enjoy road trips at this point and something fun. And you guys have a shopping trip and make it all all yours. So the next decision, Jay, is not just all about your decision looking out for them. It's all of you involved in the decision. Yeah, which is a step to some degree in its own right. I mean, if you say, hey, do you want to help me pick up my next car? They might both jump at the chance, but you are, you're establishing ties even further for all of you, which is not a bad thing, but you'd have to think about the fact that you are, <laughs> you're, saying, you're saying another one of those, okay, big moment, mm-hmm. here, let's do this, let's do this together. I think there's a candid conversation you can have with your girlfriend about what are the safety things she feels are paramount in a car. Now, she doesn't own a car. Mm-hmm, but obviously mm-hmm. she moves around Chicago all the time with you and with others that have cars. What are the things that make her feel safe or modern in a car? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I do mean safe and modern is different things. Like what are the things that she's like, you know, I wish every car had, I'm just going to make one up, Apple CarPlay. Maybe she doesn't feel that way, but, what, but then sure. like, she's discovered it. Apple CarPlay is the thing. Sure. I wish every car had a sunroof. What is the thing that she wishes every car had? And then what are the safety things she feels like, you know, I like when cars have that because I feel better. Because I think you're trying to guess what she thinks is important for her daughter. And you don't really know. Mm-hmm. And you are thinking, mm-hmm. as, a, as a car guy, you're thinking about the stuff your car potentially doesn't have, which is a great way to think about it from a safety perspective. But how much of that is vital to the conversation here for them to feel taken care of? Because to Paul's point, it's not like, well, those 90s cars were death traps. We're not dealing with that. Right. Okay, we're not dealing with a 1950s Cadillac here that has no crumple zones. We're not in that world. Exactly. So your car has some fundamental safety about it by being a mostly modern car. So what are the things that concern her? And I'll go back to this. I've talked about this before. I don't often think about how small the Lotus is. Now, I'm a big guy and the car is fundamentally mm-hmm. small. Mm-hmm. I rarely think about how small it is in relation to other things on the road. I just think, this is my car. I love it. I'm enjoying it put my son in the right seat. And I am constantly aware of how tiny that car is. Are you really? Not just because he's sitting beside me, but because I am aware that I am responsible for him. Your responsibility level went up. And Mm -hmm. this is a tiny car. Mm -hmm. Now, it's a car from the early 2000s. It has airbags. It has crumple zones. It has actually a surprisingly good crash structure. But I've joked about it before. My ankles are in the crumple zone. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. he's getting bigger and bigger. Okay, I am aware that that car is little when my son and my responsibility is sitting in the right seat. So, I, I, Jay, I appreciate the fact that you feel this. You need to have an open conversation with your girlfriend about the things she feels are important and safe, and cross-reference that with your interests and the things that you feel are paramount in a car. Because I, yeah. you already said it b- yeah. before, Paul, and, and it's key. The, the the knee-jerk reaction here is chase safety only. But then you're not going to like what you end up driving. Exactly. But, Jay, there's good news for you, and there's hope here. Because of modernity and because of technology, mm-hmm. modern cars have the ability, far more than old cars like you've got, to change. They've got mm. split personalities. Mm. And that has to do with 
modes. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. The more new cars we discover, the more we, we find, wow, there's either a gulf between different modes or there's very little difference. Yeah. Depends on the car. Yeah. But there's some we jump in and think, this car just changed its entire personality when you put it in sport mode. There's your enthusiast driving. And then when you go back to comfort, then it's commuting, but yet it has all these safety things. Mm-hmm. But look, you can turn them off or you can dial them so far back that you're never going to encounter them until you do a, a corner on track really wrong. Sure. You, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, right. there it stepped in. You're right. And, yep. Okay, fine. And it's the, the technology that has given us split personality cars, mm. which is a fantastic things, thing because more cars can do more things. Cars that we're driving mm-hmm. have one setting. Yes. I mean, I know you've got... I have sport and touring, sport, but ultimately it is, it is one car. But yes. what is, the, is, is it a dramatic difference? No, it's not. Not it's, really. It's 10 or 15%, and it's only in the suspension kind of rebound and the, and the compression. It's only how much does it absorb bumps. The car just feels like it got a little stiffer. Right. It's not, it's not like things are transformed Your across the board. Your steering ratio didn't change. Nope. The, the throttle sensitivity, change. Yep. nothing happened yep. there. The power didn't increase. It is what it is. It's a cable throttle, a hydraulic (laughs) steering rack. These things work this way. Now, that's why we love those cars. Us enthusiasts love all those kinds of cars because it it is how it came. Yeah. There's no button to change it into anything else. But for your needs and your wants, Mm. don't be afraid of searching out modern cars because of this split personality. Because they can do more things. And then when you're driving carefully and, and with their concern in mind in comfort mode and you're just driving very normally, hmm. fine. The, the cars are very comfortable. But look, when you put it in sports, suddenly, holy moly, it came alive. You know, mm-hmm. some, you know what I mean? Some yeah. Hyundai N version or a Civic Si or yeah. Civic Type R or something like that. It just came to life and then you can drive how you want. So it's nothing to be afraid of. And I, I get that you're not tech averse but you don't like the intrusion part yes of it. we feel that for sure yeah absolutely but modern cars the further they go the more choices you have in the settings mm-hmm. that's what's so great about them yeah. and that's what i want to encourage you to pursue and then you're going to find out your girlfriend's preferences and her eight-year-old daughter's preferences yeah. what she likes and you'll find out well those things that I never thought about. They never mattered to me. Oh, those are important to you. If you get a car that has a few of those things, mm-hmm. boy, she's got ownership now. She's going to like riding with you. Yeah. She's going to yeah. look forward to it. Yeah, I think, I think the inclusion thing is the key part of this. And it doesn't necessarily mean that everything... I mean, heck, my wife and I have this conversation. Everything that your girlfriend is hoping is going to be in the next car if it doesn't have one of the things on that list and that car is off the list. Mm-hmm. If there's six things on the list and you got five, you did really well, okay? Yeah. But, I, but including her in the conversation so that you have an understanding of where her headspace is so that she can see that her opinion and her concern for her daughter matters in your conversation, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's going to grow you guys together and you can find a car that checks enough boxes for both of you that you're like, oh, that feels really great. It's not your thing from your old life. It's our new thing with yeah. you know, moving forward together. Big steps. Where's this relationship going? Apparently this relationship <laughs> is buying a car. <laughs> it's the hottest part of the summer, and if you think about it, your dashboard is on the front line of the battle against sun and sun damage, and it really deteriorates over time due to all the UV. 
A custom Covercraft dash mat protects your dash and keeps it looking new, as well as complementing your interior. With a wide variety of fabric styles and colors, you can even customize your dash mat with embroidery or logos like the Everyday Driver logo, or make it completely unique to you and your car. When you're shopping at Covercraft.com, remember to use the code EVERYDAY22 to get a 10% discount, and it ships for free. To get to Covercraft, you can follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality covers and dash mats that keep your car protected and looking its best. Thank you guys for questions and for just re- responding when we post for questions every time. On uh, Typically, that is on Mondays and Thursdays for podcasts releasing Tuesdays and Fridays. Also, keep in mind, we have a podcast that keeps releasing on Wednesdays. That is audio from our Test Drive channel. That's another one coming up this week and every week, so listen for those as well. But thank you guys for responding. There's been some really good questions across the board. You were posting about the Super Manual. Yeah. Like people talking yeah. about all kinds of stuff. I'm going to start... <clears throat> Right here with a controversial one. Okay. Crabtree Nate on Instagram says, uh, hang on, if the new Porsche GT3 RS, now we just posted our Porsche GT3, GT film with the GT3, the old GT3 RS, you know, the one nobody cares about anymore, and the GT4 RS that we drove thanks to Ron Simons racing around the Nürburgring and on Spa. We had so much fun doing that piece, and thanks for the comments and watches on that. So they've, since we shot that, have released the new 992 GT3 RS. And if you haven't followed up on this car, it is barely street streetable. It's such race car thinking, which is where this question comes from. If the starting price is $260,000 and it's barely streetable and a GT3 Cup car, which by the way, the GT3 Cup car is not a street legal car. Correct. It is your race car. If that car is the same price, <laughs> but you get <laughs> track spares and factory support to drive it on a racetrack, at what point is the RS, <laughs> what, what is the point of the RS besides <laughs> showing up at your local cars and coffee and talking about your paint to sample? How are you going to land this airplane? I am going to land it with a crash into the mountain. Okay. Okay. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I I have dug into some of the stuff going on in this new GT3, and it is they are taking away everything that is streetable about the car by removing the frunk and more crazy aero and shocks you can change, rebound in real time. And it's impressive. The, it's uh, so good. The technology so good. is shocking. They have got stuff on there that race car drivers don't even have access to in the cockpit of most cars. I mean, you yeah. can change yeah. everything. I don't think that most people that buy that car are going to ever put it on a track. I really don't. Most? I would would love to think that it will. I think most people will not track it. I bet you, and I don't know, and we'll never know, I bet you 30, maybe 40% will ever track that car. Most are going to buy it because it's the big dog. They want to have one. They'll show it off at Cars and Coffee. They want to have it in their collection. But actually putting it on track with any kind of regularity, I'll be surprised if it's more than 30%. I think that it is such a technology, look at all I can do, throw down, that I think people will buy it to say they have it and not put it on track. I really feel that way. And so if, Crabtree Nate, if, if your desire was, I'm going to spend a quarter million dollars to have a track car, I agree with you. A track car? Yeah, just do the GT3 Cup car with factory support and have an amazing day at track and let them take it away and make it awesome. Yes, I don't know the exact 
dollar figures. Sure. But the act of going racing is far more expensive than the entry point to buy the car, even though oh, it true. says includes true. spares and factory support. The dollars continue to fly out. <laughs> Fire at, hose at out. any level of racing, not yes. to mention a cup car. Yes. And if you're campaigning a cup car, you're far more serious about the act of racing. It's not just track days True. like a GT3 True. RS would be. Yeah. And you can theoretically drive it on the street to the track, have a track day, and drive it home. Maybe you'd want to you're have right. spares. You're right. But the entire point is to have everything that GT3 cup car can do, but you don't have to meet the factory there. You don't have to... True. I see it. <laughs> All the, the support and the people to run it, it's just you turning the key. True. There's a and yes, I suppose the price is entry point is different, but that two hundred sixty thousand dollars, do not think they're going to stay there. Double that price. That was the next and you'll thing I was have say. kind of a ballpark about where you're actually going to be able to afford one if you can get one at all. But yeah, the RS is not going to go anything close it, to MSRP. It's really no to way. be able to have everything that cup car and racing experience does with just you running the car yes one person versus an entire team Mm -hmm. running the car and you can have the air conditioner on and listen to your tunes true while you're doing it i wonder how very different cup car fun you could have though for the actual price they're going to sell those gt3s are you suggesting a film that we need to no. Find out, like no, every car journalist. We're here to find nobody's, out. Nobody's giving us those cars, but but for what? I'm just theorizing. Let's say the GT3 RS is really selling for three or four hundred thousand. I'm much sure it'll be half a million. Fun can you have at least? This is hard, Nate. At but, least, but here's us debating it for sure. Tanner G Images says on Friday night he's got a ten hour overnight drive from Cincinnati to New Jersey, and then the return trip a week later. Are there any audiobook recommendations from either of us? Yes, I have one. And that is The Artificial Intelligence Contagion by David and Daniel Barnheiser. Hmm. The reason I suggest this is because I'm interested in AI, particularly as it relates to design. Hmm. And Chance actually just introduced me to an AI. It's called Midjourney. And as I was digging into Midjourney and creating my own images, which I just actually did one, it's an AI generator. It's generates images based on verbal or typed inputs. Interesting. Okay. Fascinating. A friend of mine, Mike Jelinek, whom I worked with at Autodesk, he is now a creative thinker and researcher at Wacom, the Japanese graphics tablet company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wa is the sound of harmony in Japanese. It is not Wacom. It is Wacom, the company. (laughs) How many times have I gotten that wrong? All the times. That's how many times. So Mike is an incredible artist and designer, and he does, he's publishing his work on LinkedIn a lot and does incredible stuff. And he just came across a thread. He was talking about Midjourney and Google's collab, uh, collab network called Disco Diffusion. There's also Wombo Dream, Dolly, and Stable Diffusion. All these are AI image-based generators based on your commands. The more specific your commands the more it changes the image mm. based on AI. And it is fascinating what you can sketch. You're sketching with your brain, what it comes up with, and what you can refine. Mid-Journey is, everybody's kind of caught on to Mid-Journey at this point, and fa- I'm fascinated with it. It's really excellent. But there's something further than that that hopefully isn't sentient. <laughs> yeah. Be careful. Yeah, <laughs> But just ends at generating very creative ideas that, 
you didn't think it wasn't a direction you were taking. So he's in, involving this in environmental design, hmm. and his stuff is fascinating. So it's giving him, uh, you know, a lot of foundation for where he's taking creative environments and vehicles, and then he's taking that further because obviously he's a, hu- a human. He is sentient. And just talking about that, he, he's using AI to generate ambiguous images that are not just random, but hmm. fit a particular narrative hmm. because you describe to the AI what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. Some of these images are fantastic. And like I said, I, I already generated one. I have a blue car speeding through Tuscany because I wanted a, a blue car with a, a gold, golden wheat fields, you know, mm-hmm. the warm and cool. Yeah, yeah. So I described that. I wanted motion. I wanted speed. I wanted blur. I wanted some sort of 60s-looking kind of car that had beautiful fenders and beautiful shapes. And what the AI generated really surprised me. It wasn't what I thought huh. it would be. And in parts of it, it's uglier than I thought it would be, but it's fascinating. Huh. So... AI, That's and I one. recommended that. I have not, Tanergy Images, have not had time to listen to that yet, but it's on my list, and so I'm sharing that with you now. Well, Tanner, I, it's funny. I'm fascinated as a, as a writer and as a reader. I'm fascinated by the t- kind of books people gravitate toward. No right or wrong. I just find it fascinating. For example, I know so many people that read only nonfiction, and I only read fiction. I just oh, really? I never pick up nonfiction. One one in twenty books is nonfiction. Just because and they want the autobiographies. And, and halfway the, through the nonfiction, almost every time I'm like, yeah, this should be over by now. This is just <laughs> the, you're you're padding it out. No, seriously. <laughs> Fair it's enough. It's amazing to me how often but that it's, happens. It's your book. It's my you book. You know the publisher encouraged yes, exa- them to, yes. uh-huh. to put everything in there and really share the meat of your life. That editor, where's the editor? <laughs> anyway, of course, you know, as as a novelist, I so wish that my book Paper Father was already out on audiobook. It's something I do want to do at some point. I'll get there, so I'm not going to recommend that because it doesn't exist. So I'm going to say this to you: Blake Crouch has a novel called Dark Matter. It's yeah. a phenomenal book, and it's excellent on audiobook. Get that on audiobook; you will thoroughly enjoy it. It is science fiction. It is multiverse. It is a, a family love story. It's very, very good. So, Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. That is my number one recommendation for you. I hope you enjoy it. Like it. Let's see, J B R E N official. J Brain official says he's been a car enthusiast since birth. Okay. Yes. Yes. Well, we're with you. Welcome. <laughs> Lately, started to really like performance SUVs, like the RSQ8 or Cayenne Turbo. For context, he's single, has no pets, and just finished college and living at home to save money. <laughs> Is there something wrong with him? Because he doesn't need that thing that he's lusting after at all. That's it's funny. All right. It's total projection. And you do that with everything, not just cars, mm. but a, a lifestyle, a home, a wardrobe, a, all those things. But listen to what those things that interest you sort of internally listen to that and i i talk to you as a designer and mm. approaching that from a particular project especially happen in furniture yeah and you would you know see interiors or like that's a cool piece i really like that and you're thinking about why why do i like that so much why, mm. why am i gravitating towards that why are you liking these big heavy powerful suvs that are amazing for the Autobahn, for all four or five passengers. But for lightweight, nimble sports car driving, they're the antithesis of that. But they project an image to the rest of the world, whereas a GR86, to most people, is just sort of like, "Eh, that's a little blue sports car. 
Yeah. Looks kind of cheap. Yeah. Meh. I'm in my Cayenne Turbo, you know. I wonder can drive if, circles around a Cayenne Turbo. In a, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if, if he's attracted to, and you'll have to ponder this. Again, Paul's, Paul's right. You're going to have to kind of examine yourself on this and see what it says about you. But I'm wondering if you're in, attracted to the fact that they shouldn't do what they do. There's always that. I wonder if that's what's in any category. You. Cars, because, major category. Yes, exactly. Because they the the recipe for what they are versus the performance that they do. There's not an equal sign there, and yet they are doing both. <laughs> they can. That is what's crazy yeah. about those cars. I'm wondering if that's intriguing you because that's that's very bizarre. Yeah, but they project an image from a luxury standpoint and income perspective and materials and look at what I drive and all those things. So listen to that and then kind of weigh that against who you are as a driver. You just cruising, you just, you know, who are you? Anthony on Facebook says he's contemplating getting a 981 Cayman. That's the generation you have, Paul. So yes. thinking about getting a 981 Cayman, doesn't want the Porsche tax, which I, mainly comes in when you're actually maintaining it. That's the tax, it's a delayed tax program, just so you know. Doesn't want the Porsche tax. It's coming. And it's he'd, looming. He'd, he'd like something that feels a bit more special. He's asking if the Avora would be a good alternative choice. The Avora would be an excellent alternative choice. Uh, Anthony, I do like that quite a bit. You could probably find a little bit of a deal on an Evora because most people don't seek them out comparative to a Porsche. I mean, Porsches are ling- lingering in their price right now or going up. I don't think Evoras are doing that. I also think, how are you driving this? Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to drive it like just because it's a fun car and you're enjoying it is different than you want to find the edges. And if you're a person that's just driving it and enjoying it, I think another great alternative for you is actually... The Alpha 4C. Well, that's good, yeah. Because it's going to feel very unique. You're not going to see very many. They are it has the Alpha Tax. They are they are really. Here's the thing. They are really excellent road cars. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. not very good at the edges. But if you're not going to be exploring the edges, I think you'd thoroughly enjoy having an Alpha 4C. So it's a step before the edge, I'd say. It's not quite out there at the edge. It'd like no, I think you can tell when you're starting to approach the edge. You drive that car at seventy off. or eighty percent, and like, you will whatever. love it. I remember when you and I first drove the Spider. We happened to be at Pebble Beach. We had like two, three hours of the car. Most we took it down through Big Sur. Yeah, true. With the Spider top off, so it was driving it on us on the street on the coastline. Not driving it slowly, not apologizing to it, but also not trying to find the edges of the car. And that was True. the most I've ever liked to foresee. And I've driven it on track. We've driven it on roads in, in Germany and Belgium. Yeah. I, I think it's a very good car to enjoy on the road. It's not a car to find the edges of. And so if, if he's driving it that way, the 4C is another really good alt. I'll give you 80%. Yeah. At 80%, that is the limit. At 81%, <laughs> Falls off a cliff, man. I, I, I wow, I what is struggled. this understeery thing? Like, well, just, but, but all the, the information just went away. It, the, the problem that I had with it is, I remember when I drove it on, on track, there was that kind of somewhat rainy day on Spa, and you and the other guy that rented it at Spa gave up on it, and I was like, I want to wrestle this to the ground. So I spent the better part of an hour Did you feel like you wrestled it to the ground? Spa. No, but I felt like I really pushed it. That was the key thing. And the thing that I was concerned about in the 4C, and I, I know there are people out there that have said there is... Some guy out there that did a bunch of R and D after the fact that is yes, quote unquote. Yes, but why does there have to suspension. be some guy there out there? There shouldn't be. There shouldn't he be. He should work for Alpha. Yeah, I agree. But the thing that was concerning to me about the Alpha, and I talked to the instructors at RSR, and they they said this exact same thing. I was like, well, at least I'm not <laughs> making things up. <laughs> it wouldn't always respond the same, and that was the thing I didn't like about it. Right. If you're gonna be, if you're gonna not respond, great. Oh, look, I'll give you a great example. <laughs> Feeling goes away. It's inconsistent. <laughs> The inconsistency Understeers was the like part. crazy. 
Well, but it could also oversteer too because it's uh, mid-engine. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. So that was the thing. I could go into the same corner the same way two times in a row, and the car wouldn't do the exact same thing. And I was like, "That's that's not exciting." Okay. It is exciting. It was very exciting. <laughs> okay. Kevin Burke on Facebook saw a Honda CRV as a driver's ed vehicle the other day. Does this mean new drivers mm. could be even worse off? than those that learned in small cars and then moved up to the larger SUVs. I say no because you're being evaluated for everything down to the littlest thing, meaning speed limits. A small car Mm. at the speed limit is not going to feel that much different than a giant SUV at the speed limit because you're not pushing Mm. the speed limit. You're not... You're not also focused on speed and chucking uh, into the corner and feeling the weight shift and... I don't know that the the difference is going to be that dramatic from a Camry to a CRV to an 86 to a you know what I mean you, yeah. you're okay you're being evaluated for did you look over your shoulder when changing lanes did you <laughs> signal did you yeah. brake you know did you signal 100 feet or sorry 100 yards before a particular turn at Funny. speed did you leave 3 seconds of distance between you that no all the, you know what I mean <laughs> sorry yeah, all those things you learn in driver's ed. Yeah, you're not focused on what are the dynamics. What is this chassis really telling me here? Yeah. That is not a checkbox on the instructor sheet. You're right. I mean, that the, getting the driver's test, learning how to drive, can be in anything. The thing that I always worry about is if if you have that experience as a driver, are you ever going to seek anything else out, or you're just going to decide if it doesn't feel like a mute SUV, it must be wrong. I hope they seek something else I out. I suppose. But as yeah. a learning tool, you're right. It doesn't really You're matter. learning street yeah. signs. You're learning flow of traffic. You're learning to, in some cases, anticipate what are other go- drivers mm. going to do. Don't turn in front of that driver. Don't do a left turn. <laughs> you will get T-boned. Yeah. You know, you'll learn about things like stale green lights and, mm. you know, yeah. anticipating things. Yeah, and yeah. Then you're counting the crosswalk numbers like seven, six. <laughs> I can do this. My son already does that. Oh, my god! We'll sit at the light, and he's counting the crosswalk. I'm like, get ready, Dad. Get ready. I'm like, calm down. Punch it. Like, calm down. We're going to be fine. <laughs> Ted Adam Green has the last question for me. He's asking a, a tuning out of class question. He says he has a 136,000-mile car, and the driver's seat is worn out. He would like a new, comfy, properly bolstered, good driver's seat. Is changing seats tuning out of class? Ted, I say absolutely not. Yeah, agree. I mean, if you, if you were saying to me, I have a 136,000-mile car, and I want to make it the sports car it never was, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. The sports car this never was, you're never saying, should be, You're never saying will be. the place that I sit in every single day is worn out. If your brake pads are worn out or your shocks are worn out, you would replace those. Of course. You wouldn't even necessarily go with better, even though you could. You would replace them. So if your seat's worn out, replace your seat. If you want to do an upgrade to your seat, then upgrade your seat. I, I don't think I don't see you putting you're not putting a race seat in this car. So get yourself a good seat. It's not tuning out of class. That's making it usable. Certainly if this is a car that's going to stick around for a while. Agreed. Last question for me is Bradley J in nineteen eighty three asking if we can make A pillars smaller with advanced materials. <laughs> or are we doomed to giant A pillars given all the tech and safety stuffed inside them? Don't forget wiring harnesses and speakers. Yeah. I say no, be encouraged, because remember when airbags started to proliferate in all cars? Mm. How big was the center pad and the steering wheel? You're right. Freaking enormous and ugly and horrible, and you thought, oh, this is, you know, good steering wheel designs are dead forever. Yeah. You're right. (laughs) Not true. They've become small. Yeah. 
and they're still effective. Good so point. look at steering wheels, how they've progressed, and we're sort of back to good designs and steering wheels, and mm. they still have a lot of tech packed into them with all the buttons and features and paddles on the steering wheel, You're right. plus a very small center horn pad. Be encouraged, because even Volvo did this. Look up uh, the Volvo A-pillar. Gosh, uh, 15 years ago now, maybe? Is this the see-through one you're thinking about? It was about? the see-through A-pillar. Yeah, you're right. Volvo concept, and it looked like a truss-style structure. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the, the lighting equipment in stadiums for concerts. It looked yeah. like that sort of truss yep. kind of thing. So you could just this, see through the A-pillar when you were turning, when you were maneuvering. Concept from years ago. I forget You're the, right. the yeah. year on that. But yeah, it's the Volvo A-pillar concept. Just Google that and you, you, will, uh, you will see where they started. So, Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Write to us, yeah. everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you. And we're on to the next. We've got still a lot to do here. But check out our Supra test drive, Supra manual test drive. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow it comes out on the Test Drive channel, and we're looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>